we work with authors who have very unique interests, hobbies, expertise, and also the component of accepting unsolicited submissions. We don't have that formal process of needing an agent to be brought ideas to us. Welcome to School for Writers, where we help you ditch that starving, tortured artist cliche and thrive. No more struggling over whether your story is good enough or wondering if your voice deserves to be heard. It's time to step into the power of telling your story to the world. I'm your host, Lauren Marie Fleming, and I am a book-obsessed, queer, fat, witchy, divinely loud woman. And I know what it's like to have society tell you to sit down and shut up. But I'm here to tell you that you've been silenced for far too long. School for Writers was created to help you push through doubt and fear so you can stop procrastinating and start writing. Because the world needs your story now more than ever. Welcome to School for Writers. Let's get to it. Have you ever called someone a sellout? Or have you ever been called a sellout for making money off of your creative work? About six years ago, I was teaching my Jumpstart Your Writing Routine workshop to a packed house at UCLA when someone raised her hand and said, I don't want to spoil my art with money. And you know what? I agreed. If you focus solely on making money, your art, it will suffer. That is true. But you know what's also true? You cannot make art without resources. It's a hell of a lot harder to try to write when you're exhausted from working double shifts. It's almost impossible to write when you have to have 20 roommates all coming in and out at the same time because that's the only way you can afford rent. And it feels overwhelmingly heavy to write when you're depressed and hangry. This idea that we have that art needs to come from suffering and that artists need to suffer is complete bullshit. Yes, beautiful art has been made from people in pain, but so too has beautiful art been made from places of joy, love, and gratitude. And I don't know about you, but I am tired of suffering for my art. I choose to thrive, which is why I started School for Writers, because I wanna help you ditch that starving, tortured artist cliche and thrive. As a creative entrepreneur, you are going to have to be a business person, someone who creates products and sells those products to people. Does that mean selling out? Absolutely not. But what it does mean is making time to create, it's your job after all as a creative, focusing on quality over quantity and getting real about the finances that you have to have, the money you have to make, the resources you have to have to be a writer. It means ditching what other people tell you to do and honing in on what you wanna accomplish and doing the work to get there. And that work, it starts with my Jumpstart Your Writing Routine workshop. Next week on June 16th, I am offering my Jumpstart Your Writing Routine workshop for free for this one time. I usually charge 500 to even up to $5,000. I've had people come to retreats to learn this information, but instead I'm offering it for this one time for you for free. Because here's the deal. You've suffered enough as an artist. I want you to thrive. And by you thriving, you help me thrive because we are all in this together as writers and creatives, trying to build a whole new paradigm where we get paid and paid well and paid what we deserve for our writing. And that all starts with you attending my Jumpstart Your Writing Routine 
workshop on June 16th. You can sign up for that at schoolforwriters.com slash writing career. Once again, that's schoolforwriters.com slash writing career. Because the world needs your story now more than ever. And because I can't wait to read your book. So come on over to Jumpstart Your Writing Career Workshop. It is for free for this one time only on June 16th. Join us at schoolforwriters.com slash writing career or click that link down in your show notes. Welcome back to the School for Writers podcast. This week, we have such an educational and helpful conversation with Casey Vogel from Ulysses Press. She is going to explain to you exactly how you can get your book out into the world through a press. And here's a hint, they accept submissions without agents. So she outlines exactly how to get your book into their hands and have Ulysses Press publish your book. We also talk about the competitive advantage of having a niche market. So many of you have come to me saying, I'm afraid that I have too small of an audience for my book. And on this episode, Casey is going to explain to you exactly why that's actually a good thing. Niching down is so important. There's riches in the niches, as we say around here. So this is such a helpful and informative episode. You absolutely don't want to miss it. We're just going to head right into it. Enjoy this informative and entertaining conversation with Casey Vogel from Ulysses Press. Welcome, Casey. I am so excited to have this conversation about publishing and presses with you. So, so, so excited. We just did a formal intro of you, but why don't you tell us who you are and what you put out into this world? Sure. So my name, Casey Vogel. I am the director of acquisitions and editorial at Ulysses Press, which is an independent book publisher based in Berkeley, California and Brooklyn, New York. I live in Brooklyn and make make up a part of the New York team. And I've been with Ulysses Press almost seven years now. And my role is leading the editorial team in publishing our really amazing books. We publish nonfiction books pretty much across genres, so many different types of projects, everything from pop culture cookbooks to doomsday prepping to, I mean, trivia and humor. So it's very, very exciting and fun to work on pretty much all types of books at Ulysses Press. Some of the stuff that I've personally worked on include books like Two Fish, which is a poetry book by an R&B singer, Janae Iko, all the way to Growth Mindset Coach, which is an education book. So just to give you a little taste of like the sheer breadth of what I do and what my amazing team at Ulysses Press does, that's what we do. I love that. And are you nonfiction only or are you fiction as well? We are 99.9% nonfiction. Every now and then there will be a fiction title that we'll do. And those are very rare, but a case-by-case basis or something that kind of might be on the edge. So we've done poetry book here and there. We've done a fiction book here and there. We've done some YA projects. So it really just depends on whether or not it is a topic that we think works with the overall Ulysses Press model. And what is the overall Ulysses Press model? What is your goal as a press? 
Ulysses Press is very interesting in that we focus really on niche topics, audiences, ideas, and that's really what makes us so unique. Our goal is to create books that haven't been done before, might be very hyper-specific in some ways, in order to reach underserved audiences or kind of subvert what the other publishers are doing. And it's a very crowded book market out there. The digital and physical shelf has so many books out there. So what we do in order to stand out is create very unique, specific types of books uh, that will reach people who have specific hobbies, specific interests. And this could be really anything, which is why Ulysses Press has published in so many different genres. A good example that I like to give people is that we do a lot of grilling and barbecue cookbooks, which of course, every pretty much most people like barbecuing and grilling. But what makes a Ulysses Press book so unique and niche is that we have a bunch of grilling books that are about specific types of grills and barbecues. So one of our best sellers is the flipping awesome backyard griddle cookbook. And it's just for people who have griddles, just specifically griddle owners. So that's that's a typical Ulysses Press type book, but that expands into so many different genres beyond cooking. I am so excited to delve into that. But first, I'm going to ask you, go back and ask you the first question we always ask everybody when they come on is, why writing? Why books? I have always liked books from a very, very young age. It's always been, frankly, my greatest passion. I've been a, a furious reader ever since I could read. And the very interesting thing is, is I personally read fiction as my as what I do on the weekends after work. I'm all about fiction, literary fiction, YA, you name it. That's that's where I live and breathe. But when it came to book publishing, I really found a footing in nonfiction. Something about it just totally clicked for me. I had my very first publishing internship a decade ago at a university press. And for whatever reason, it just made so much sense to me. I was, I loved working with the authors who are so passionate about their projects and the topics, which were highly practical or in that case, academic. And it made so much sense. And ever since then, it's just been something that I've gone after because it just was a very natural fit for me. I love that. Are you a writer yourself as well? Every now and then, I would like to call myself more of an editor than anything else, but occasionally I will write a little bit. I do have a book that is being published by Ulysses Press. It's very nice to know a publisher um, (laughs) coming out soon called the Hard Seltzer Cocktail Book. It is. It's just a fun cocktail book. It's like a really good hot girl summer release, right? Like this is a good post-pandemic release. Great for summer, great for bachelorette parties. I mean, honestly, great for a Tuesday, whatever you need to do. I support it. Um, I would say imbibe carefully because it is a very dangerous book if you get a little too deep, but every now and then I do write a few things myself. That's fun. That's so fun. I'm excited for that book. (laughs) Uh, So I'd love to circle back because you were talking about how Ulysses focuses on 
really distinct niches. And I think that one of the things I keep telling a lot of my clients and a lot of the people in our School for Writers Academy, where we help people build their writing careers, is they're so afraid to niche down. They're so afraid to have too small of an audience or, or not be like, everyone's like, I just want everyone to read my book. And so I give them a lot of advice on why niches are really important to actually embrace. But I would love to know your perspective as a publisher on why niches are such a great way, why you embrace niches. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Why do you all embrace niches Yeah, or niches? It's niches, niches. Like I never know. I always say niches, but with something we talk about all the time at Ulysses Press and everyone says something different. So, hey, That's whatever, funny. whatever works for you. Well, I love the saying there's riches in the niche niches. And so it sounds better if you say niches than niches. <laughs> there's riches in the niches. Like, there's riches in the niches. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man, maybe I'll adapt that. Yeah, <laughs> y'all can steal it. How about it? I definitely did not there that came from somewhere else. I'm not really I don't remember where, but I'm giving I stole it and now I give you permission to stole it. <laughs> um great. Yeah. So the thing about niches, that's a great, great thing about Ulysses Press. And and I can't speak for all indie presses, but I think for many is that we have the flexibility, but also kind of in our nature the ability to go after niches and start to target in our audiences. This is this is something the big five can do and will do, but oftentimes they are also trying to hit all the biggest, most general audience as possible, which totally works, especially when you have huge budgets. For Ulysses Press, we really like to focus in on those niches because we can find and capture those audiences so much easier when it's not just everyone who reads. And there's a ton of competitive advantage there. You know exactly who you're targeting and you can tailor your marketing, your title, subtitle, description. Every part of a book can be marketed towards that targeted audience. And you can do this even in your advertising. It's so it's just more contained and easier to get the word out to those groups of people. Uh, we do this all the time with like even Facebook groups. There's so many people out there who are dedicated to very specific interests. You can speak to those people directly by offering them a very targeted product. So that's what we see. I love that because I think about if you write a book for everybody, it might not actually hit with anybody. And also if I'm going through the book, I'm like, is this book for me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But like, I think of this perfect example, I was at the Ripped Bodice. It's a romance centered bookstore and everybody talks to the Ripped Bodice about like, they're like, how could you have a whole bookstore just about romance? And they do really well because they're a whole bookstore just about romance. But even in that, I looked around and I was like, I don't know what's for me, what's not. And we finally, they went through all these different ones. And finally they said, lesbian vampire romance. I was like, you got me. Like you, that is the most lesbian sorority, lesbian vampire romance. I was like, that is the most niche book I've ever heard of. And that is exactly why I bought it because I was like, I'm here for this. Like these are things that found either, it's either going to be hilarious or really great, like, or both. And so I think that we, 
we look through a bookstore and we don't know if a book is for us. And so if you're writing to everybody, like knowing which book to pick up is hard. So I love that you all are just like, oh no, if you want to make cocktails from hard seltzers, this book is for you. If you want to learn how to grill outside on a griddle, this book is for you. I love that you're embracing that. How do you get your authors to embrace that too? Is there still this idea that like, do most people come to you with the same idea that, that they're going to limit themselves if they niche down too much? Yeah, I think that is a very common mentality. What you said you've experienced is, is exactly what I experience all the time. And I explain to authors that there's just so much out there. We are living in this world where content is thrown at us constantly. And like in your example, there's so much decision fatigue. How do you even begin to research to figure out what books are for me and for the specific idea or hobby I have, or just even what I'm doing on a Tuesday night? There is so much, there's too much. And so I like to explain to authors that we've done a ton of research here. We know that this audience exists, and this is a project that we think we can support. And we think you can write to your our authors are often parts of these communities, parts of these audiences, or at the very least understand, can understand once we break it down for them, how they fit into that puzzle. So you mentioned like you're a part of this audience. Do you all go out and seek authors or do authors, how do people come to work with you with Ulysses Press? Ulysses Press is interesting because we do both. Many book publishers will work with agents who send them proposals or have unsolicited proposals sent to them. At Ulysses Press, we do a little bit of both. A lot of the time, we concept in ideas in-house and we'll do a lot of research looking at books that have come out recently, book sales, trends, things that are up and coming, ideas, products. TikToks, Instagrams, you name it. We're trying to kind of keep our finger on the pulse of pretty much all things that are in motion and design book ideas around that. So a lot of the time we are reaching out to people with ideas that we've concepted and are asking them for their advice, particularly, especially if we're reaching out to a expert or someone who's a part of a very weird Facebook group or community who has a very specific interest, you know, for advice, thoughts, and also for them to potentially author a book. And so we'll work very closely with these authors to kind of shape projects, kind of create proposals together in order to make these books that we've identified our topics or areas that we think are strong. On the flip side of that, we also mostly... I would say we work with agents every now and again, but for the most part, we do accept unsolicited submissions and we have plenty of projects that have come from what in the publishing industry is called the slush pile. And our team looks through those every single week, responds, and whenever there's a great project in there, we'll reach out and talk with these authors about their projects. Sometimes we'll tweak them a bit to fit this you know, very specific Ulysses Press model. And sometimes they're just diamonds in the rough also. One great example is our Field Guide to the Unicorns of North America book, um, which is a very cute, it's just like very fun, kind of like humorous book about the unicorns that you can quote unquote find throughout North America. 
And it's just, it's illustrated. This author just had a cute, fun idea that he wanted to get out there. And we also thought it was cute and fun. So we picked up that project and that was an unsolicited proposal. That is a fun project first off. And I love that you, I love that you work with them to find, to like mold it together. So often publishers expect you to come to them with a perfectly developed idea and you have to go through agency, you have to go through all this process. And I love that you all, that you all work together. So tell me a little bit about what it means to be a press. So you are not one of the big five for people who aren't familiar. There are five big publishers in the publishing industry. One of them is for sale. So there might soon be four big publishers in the publishing industry. And there's like, they distribute. So you're, one of them will help you distribute it, but what does it mean to be a press? Like, what is that even, how does that fit into the landscape of publishing? Publishing these days is so massive. Like you say, there's the big five or potentially big four uh, that publishes a lot of the well-known books that you see out there, you know, the Michelle Obamas of the world and also the fiction that you see on, you know, Good Morning America and that kind of stuff. But then there's also so many fantastic indie presses, Ulysses Press being one of them. And that means we independent presses aren't owned by these bigger companies like the, like Penguin Random House, one of the big five, which is a big company that has all these little imprints or kind of groups of publishers um, underneath them. They're all under the Penguin Random House umbrella. But independent presses aren't owned by large corporations. We have a ton of flexibility to do a lot of fun stuff. And then I would say the kind of last piece of the publishing industry is self-publishing, which is becoming more and more a huge part of the publishing landscape. So For me, at least how I feel in my role working at an independent press, I think indies have so much opportunity here to use our expertise, but also flexibility to create unique book projects that will stand out against the more general books at the big five, but have maybe more lift, more leverage, and just more knowledge behind them than some of the self-publishers out there. And then there's a whole distribution piece, which is really getting into the weeds, but um, that is also a big part of how books get out there, uh, which is something the big five does extremely well and is a little harder for self-publishers. So when you say distribution, does that mean you can get your book in like Barnes and Noble or whatever bookstores still exist, like independent bookstores, or I think Barnes and Noble is like the only big chain still. I mean, Targets, Costco's, Walmart's, those are big, those are big buyers of books too. So when you talk about distribution, do you mean that? Yeah. So distribution is really how the books get out to the retailers. And depending on the publisher, this can be very different arrangements. Ulysses Press is distributed by Simon & Schuster, and we're one of their clients. So they have a client side of their distribution where they don't control what we publish, but we work with them and their sales reps who go out and talk to retailers to sell our books. So really there's a sales force out there who is working to get the books into Barnes & Noble, into Books A Million, into independent bookstores, and places that you might not really think about as traditional bookstores, but like the urban outfitters and anthropologies of this world that have all those fantastic fun books, like at the cash wrap and stuff like that. So there's 
be it can be very large. There's a lot of people who have to get the books all the way to those places. That's funny you say that because when you're talking about the unicorns, you'll get is like, oh yeah, that's a good like Urban Outfitters book. And we don't think about those little, like the little books we pick up here and there. We think about the Michelle Obama memoir. Like that's the book I want to write is, or the like, or the big Harry Potter fantasy. And those things are valid and great. And I'm all here for holding those dreams. But there's also those like, I had this quirky idea for a book. Let's find a publisher for it. And you might not be able to, you know, you might not want to be on a big press because they don't appreciate the niche and they don't understand the like quirkiness of your book. So I love that you all allow people to kind of lean into who they are. I would love to know what your thoughts are on how small presses work in amplifying more marginalized voices or historically silenced voices within the publishing world. That is really interesting that in the... Independent presses offer a huge opportunity for authors of all types of authors, really, because so often, and this is at least in the case of Ulysses Press, we work with authors who have very unique interests, hobbies, expertise, and also the component of accepting unsolicited submissions. We don't have that formal process of needing an agent to be brought ideas to us. Um, we will be concepting these ideas ourselves or working with the proposals. And there's a lot of gatekeeping that happens in book publishing. And there's obviously tons of problems with that. Book publishing is fraught with it, plenty of issues when it comes to diversity. But when it comes to that traditional proposal process, that is one way that just very, very quickly blocks a ton of people out from publishing and from getting their work out there. It is a ton of work to find an agent who will take you on and then have that agent send your stuff around. And again, like we were saying earlier, the big five will often try to publish to the most, most general audience as possible. And that often can start to translate into ideas, concepts, and authors that are not from marginalized communities, underserved audiences, and that continues to be an issue every single day in book publishing. And indies have a lot of opportunity here. I'm sure I know that there are plenty of issues with independent presses as well, but I think that especially as we move forward, we have so much opportunity to work with authors who are able to get their work that could be really interesting, really unique that big corporations just don't see the value in. I, I think that there's something really powerful in getting to skip the agent first. That's just one more gatekeeper that has to approve you. And second, we are often told as marginalized communities that we are a niche. We're not like, what do we think of as the normal reading community? It's still white men, even though women read more than men do statistically, we still are like aiming for that idea of that like straight white man. And so if you're part of a marginalized community, you're often seen as a niche. You're like women's fiction versus fiction, even though women's fiction is one of the, when romance is like one of the largest selling books that people read. So I think that I love that you you cater to niches because you can lean into that. Okay, cool. You think me being gay is a niche. Let's lean into that niche. Like let's make it really targeted towards other people. And then maybe you can have that broad, that broad reach after you reach that community. And I think it's such a great opportunity for people starting out. 
I feel like Ulysses Press is a really great place for people starting out who are trying and established as well, but who are trying to get their voice heard in a world that maybe doesn't value that voice currently. Absolutely. I, I think that the big five, and this is, I mean, of course, I don't work at a big five at the big five and the big five publishes many, many great and fantastic books, but I think sometimes it can often be so generalized and so whitewashed that a lot of some of the unique things about books can be pushed to the wayside. So at Ulysses Press, at least, we do try to kind of get these quirky, weird, fun, unique. It, so many different adjectives will allow us to stand out in this credit market, but also speak to these audiences who can identify with the authors. So that's what we at least strive to do. I love that. So if somebody wanted to work with you all, if somebody wanted to submit an idea to you, how does that process work? So let's assume it's an idea that you love. How would that process look to the author? I think one of the things I get asked all the time is like, okay, what happens if I get, like, if I'm starting to work, like, what does the publishing process look like for them? So at Ulysses Press and pretty much at most publishers, the way that books are sort of quote unquote approved, go through a editorial board process. So if I'm talking with an author and I love their idea uh, and I think that it totally makes sense for our list and what we're doing at Ulysses Press, I will work with them to create a kind of mini proposal that I will take to my editorial board. And that's where everyone at Ulysses Press gets to chime in on whether or not this is something that fits with our strategy, with our overall book publishing list, and we'll get to weigh in on whether or not we should move forward. Those meetings pretty much happen at most publishers, ed boards they're called, and they're kind of the opportunity for marketing, sales, publicity, editorial, production to all weigh in on how we're going to make a book happen and whether or not it makes sense. If that is given the green light, we move into contracting, making an offer on the project. At Ulysses Press, we do the traditional publishing model where we offer authors advances and royalties, all of that negotiation stuff. And then really, it's all about book writing. We have a production team that's based in Berkeley, California, but everybody at Ulysses Press kind of helps in on, with the production process. All of our authors are paired with a project manager who's like the point person throughout the process. Since so often we're working with first-time authors, we try to give as much support as possible to because so many people touch a book throughout the process. There's proofreaders, copy editors, designers, and all of that is a lot to manage, especially if all of the words seem foreign to you. So we have those project editors who kind of act as the point person throughout the process and help us shepherd a book to completion. And in general, this whole process takes a year, a year and a half. Ulysses Press is a very kind of quick turnaround uh, because we are looking for these like very often trendy ideas. So we uh, work about a year, year and a half in advance. And so if somebody wanted to submit to you, is that like on your website? How do people submit to you? 
Yeah, I recommend everyone go check out ulyssespress.com. There are submission guidelines on there that offer a little bit of structure in terms of what we like to see, a short proposal with some information about, you know, some comps, bio. My big thing I always suggest is also while you're on the website, check out the books that we do and explain, you know, why your idea is a good fit for our list because it is so hyper-specific sometimes. It's really great to see, to get proposals where people explain why their idea is also niche specific, stand out right away. And that helps us kind of change our focus about whatever we're looking at. And the guidelines are on our website and it usually takes, I would say, three months to get a response. We get a lot of submissions every day. Uh, the whole editorial team looks at all of these submissions. We go through every week um, and respond to them, but it can take a little bit of time, but I definitely recommend checking it out and submitting if you have a great idea. We work with those proposals all the time. Is there, so I have a couple last questions for you. Um, one of them, I'm going to ask them a little out of order, but because it works with that last one, one of them is, is there a book that you would love to read right now? So we usually ask authors, is there a book that you'd love to read, but not write? So you as a publisher get to say, but not, you don't have to write it. So is there a book that you'd love to read right now? It doesn't even have to be for Ulysses Press. Is there a book that you would just love to get into, but not have to write it yourself? Oh, that's a great, great question. Hmm. Well, I guess I'm sure this book already exists because there are just so many out there. But right now, I am really, really starting to get into houseplants and gardening. And I think everybody during the pandemic started to get into that. So I'm sure this book probably already exists, but I'm looking for, I would probably want to read a book that is very probably specific to indoor plants and really like basic stuff. I have killed a lot of plants in my day and I would really, I really want to have a green thumb. So if there are any tips out there, tricks for someone who is starting at negative, like just absolute plant killer, I am interested in learning that skill. So that's, that's kind of a vibe that I've been into recently. I am here for that as well, because I became quite a murderer during COVID. I killed many plants. It was actually like a graveyard. It was tragic. So I'm here for that. How do you start? Like in, indoor plants 101, just give me some basic stuff. Mm -hmm. I You have two readers here, whoever wants to write that book or who has written it already. You got yeah. two audience members here. And then I'd love to know, what's a book that you've read that kind of changed your life or changed your perspective in some way? I just recently finished the Office of Historical Corrections, which was a gorgeous collection of short stories. And I admit, even though I'm an avid fiction reader, I am not huge on short stories all the time. You know, I, I think that it's a form that is extremely difficult to write. Um, I major props to short story writers out there because there's very specific talent. But that book for me kind of changed the way that I read short stories altogether. I read it, I finished it, and I thought, oh man, have I, is it me? I think maybe I haven't understood the form actually until this moment. So I definitely, short story writers out there, if you haven't read it, 
absolutely cannot cannot recommend it more but also for people who've been on the fence it's changed reading for me in kind of a significant way that's amazing can you say the name again please the office of historical corrections the office of historical corrections i'm going to definitely check that out because i've been trying to get into short stories as well i feel like it's a beautiful genre that's not given enough credit so absolutely yeah and i am i'm part of that i wasn't giving it enough credit and now i've changed i am singing a very different tune these days you know the first step is admitting your mistakes and <laughs> apologizing for them and you know we can we will we will both hold each other accountable to reading more short stories <laughs> i love that so if people want to learn more about you or more about ulysses press what's the best way to find you all and find out more about you and what you all do ulyssespress.com is the best place. We recently revamped our whole website that we're very proud of. So it has all of our fantastic books. We've also got a blog. You can follow us on social media at Ulysses Press. Our Instagram has a lot of fun links to our books, but also just interesting stuff out there. We also um, will send, you know, if you're a bookstagrammer, particularly if you'd like any copies of books, definitely reach out to us. And we also have a really fun newsletter that will probably pop up if you go to ulyssespress.com. But I definitely suggest uh, signing up for that because we'll send out recipes from our books. We'll send out giveaway links and all of that good stuff. And we love to kind of get our books out there as much as possible. So if you'd like to be a part of those lists, we would love to have you. That is fabulous. I am really excited about getting on your mailing list because that sounds super fun. And I cannot wait for some of these books that you just like just mentioned right now in this interview. I'm like, yes, I want to buy all of them. Sounds so great. And I get excited when I go to your website. So thank you again for coming on. Any last minute tips for people who want to get their books out there with an independent press? My, I guess my parting advice is to just reach out, at least when it comes to the independent presses, we would love to hear from you. We are working closely with our authors. So if you've got a great idea, don't hold back, reach out to us. We would love to hear your great idea. And we can even, you know, we will work with people if we think that it's got some legs. So don't get too scared by any sort of submission guidelines, do your best, but honestly, just reach out to us and we'd love to hear what you've got. That, it makes me so happy because I feel like, yeah, just like try folks, just give it a try. And that's amazing. There's really nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you again so much for giving us some of your time and coming and chatting with us. It has been absolutely educational and entertaining as well to, to chat with you. So thank you again, Casey, for coming on. Thank you, this was a delight. Have a great day, bye. In honor of Casey Vogel being on the podcast this week and us talking about super niche books, I thought I would bring on my reading recommendation for this week, one of my favorite niche books, and that's It's Not How Good You Are, It's How Good You Want to Be, the world's best-selling book by Paul Arden. This is such a great, cute little book. I actually picked it up in a floating boat bookstore in London in 2019 of two years ago this month, actually. It was May 2019, and I love it. It has just short little quick tidbits from somebody who ran advertising for a really long time, and it's just little inspirational 
points that you can pick up and love, like give yourself some spin. It's not who you know. It's it's not what you know. It's who you know. Uh, compose your ad from the weakest point. There's so many great little tidbits. It's actually one, something I turn to when I'm not feeling creative. It has beautiful images in it. It has really fun fonts, really bold fonts, really bold images. It's pocket size so I can keep it with me. And it's also a really helpful tool as a marketer, as a creative marketer. How do I get my ideas out into the audience really well? So I have seen this book everywhere. Basically every creative I know that's successful has at some point read this book. And what I love about it is it's a tiny little book. It's probably maybe 2000 words total, but it's such a impactful and important book. It has a niche audience, people like me who are creatives who also want to like market and advertise their creativity to people. People like you who want to be inspired and want to market with inspiration. And it's such a great example of how a niche little book can actually change a lot of lives and be something that impacts a lot of people. Once again, the book is It's Not How Good You Are, It's How Good You Want to Be, the world's best-selling book by Paul Arden. I love that, that like confidence right there in the title as well. Grab yourself a copy using the bookshop.org link that we have below. And in doing that, not only can you support buy this book and support a local independent bookstore, but that's also an affiliate link. So you help support the School for Writers podcast as well. Happy reading and happy creativity. You just finished another episode of the School for Writers podcast. Woohoo! Go you! Did you know that we're more than just a podcast? School for Writers is a full-service support team helping you to get your story out into the world. Here are three ways you can get even more writerly inspiration and education. Number one, subscribe. It's so easy. All you got to do is click that little subscribe button down below wherever you listen or watch the School for Writers podcast. That not only guarantees that you don't miss another episode, but it also helps support our continuation of this show. Number two, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest at School for Writers. Every day we post helpful tips and tools like journaling prompts, reading recommendations, and live interviews with inspiring experts. Number three, visit schoolforwriters.com where you can check out past episodes, join a writing program, and get even more tips, tools, and inspiration to support your writing life. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our Write More Challenge, a 10-day program to help you jumpstart your writing routine. Thanks again for supporting School for Writers. We'll see you next episode. School for Writers is produced by me, Lauren Marie Fleming, with editing and support from Samantha Olivares. All rights reserved by Las Maestras LLC. Our music is De Lejos by Ilabamba. Check them out on Spotify. Big thanks to the team at Terrorbird and big thanks to Kristen Hozak. And of course, a massive thank you to you, the listener. Now put down this podcast already and go write. I'll see you in the next episode.